This is Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. My name is Doris Corda, and for the past several years, I've been training educators. Listen to these episodes and hear about some of the extraordinary programs they've created. We call these pioneers the fire starters. See if you can get some ideas that you can implement yourself to change your own practice. In this week's episode, Doris speaks with Regina Rosie, Assistant Division Director and Dean of Student Life at Marlboro School, an all-girls school in Los Angeles, California. They discuss the need to modernize leadership education in K-12 schools, and Regina shares the entrepreneurial approach required to design courses like these. She also shares what she has learned from using community partners to create her curriculum. If you like this episode and are passionate about doing school better, share this podcast with someone in your network. Hello, Regina. Hi, Doris. It is wonderful to talk to you. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's really exciting to me because we had uh, we had such an amazing time together at the workshop, and that was already two years ago. So I can't I wait. Know. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you've done since. So if you could please start by telling the listeners a bit about yourself and then what brought you to the workshop and, and what you did since. Sure. Well, you know, I... I think like many people, I never really planned on being a teacher. I went to Kenyon College in Ohio, and there I majored in Spanish and international studies. And after graduation from college, I had a fellowship, and I lived in Mexico, and I was doing research at the time. And then I sort of just ended up in Los Angeles at Marlboro School, which is the oldest all-girls school on the West Coast, actually. And I thought I would just be here for a little bit while I applied to grad school, but I really loved the school and I really loved teaching Spanish. And one of the things, when I think about it now, you know, when I think about Spanish is that I graduated from a liberal arts college and I had a lot of skills, but Spanish was my most marketable skill. And it was through Spanish that I had, you know, jobs in tutoring, I think being able to speak Spanish, you know, is ultimately what got me my job at an independent school, even though I was only 22 at the time and had very little actual teaching experience. But what I loved about it was that it was a very real world skill. And in a way, I think that guided me to want to teach a class in entrepreneurship because I found while, you know, Marlboro is a definitely college preparatory, has a very rigorous academic curriculum, and it's quite traditional in many senses, I felt like we needed more opportunities for our students to leave and to graduate with these real-world skills that they could apply to any job that they might be interested in. But that's a little bit about my background. I, you know, I taught Spanish here at Marlboro for 10 years, and in that time, I also took on the role of Dean of Student Life, in which I was also in charge of all of our leadership programming. And so we talk, you know, leadership is one of those words that can be a bit divisive and it's so ambiguous as well. Like, what does leadership really mean? I think there are so many ways that someone can be a leader and it's not just limited to students who might, you know, have a titled position or will be on student council. And so for about five years, actually, we grappled with this idea of, you know, do we want to have a leadership class? You know, how are other schools teaching leadership? You know, going with Marlboro being an all-girls school, are there specific ways that we should be teaching leadership to girls? 
and we actually did research. I did a huge East Coast tour, and I visited a bunch of schools to see how they were teaching leadership, and we had actually settled on teaching a course, and the title of it was going to be Real World Leadership, mm-hmm. and we were really excited about it. It was going to be more you know, hands-on and practical. It wasn't going to just be about theory. And then I happened to go to the Oasis conference in Los Angeles, which I guess would have been in 2016, February 2016. And that was where I met you. And I saw you presenting at that point. And it was then that I had like that light bulb moment. And I was like, you know what we should call this class is not real world leadership. We should just have an entrepreneurship class because all of these skills that we want our students to graduate with, you know, we could teach them through entrepreneurship. And so you know, teaching leadership has always been something that is a personal passion of mine. I think about my personal mission as an educator is to empower, you know, young women, and in my case, any student really, to empower young people to change the world. And I think, you know, entrepreneurship is, allows me to do that. And that's what makes it really exciting. I'll tell you what's really interesting that you just did in a really brilliant way. I don't use the word leadership anymore. Mm-hmm. For all the reasons you brought up, the baggage it has with it and the assumptions others make, bog it down and make it not just ineffective, but actually in many cases harmful to whatever point I'm trying to make. And yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I was surprised. I think it can be, it can be a really contentious word. And I had never really realized that before until I started to really delve into teaching leadership. But I don't know, there's something about it. And I think that too, if you tell students, hey, we're gonna, we're offering this new leadership class, it's just kind of like, okay, I roll, here we go again. Right. Uh, Right. And you know, I think about how for many people, this is going to be a gruesome way to say it. But I think for many people, that word is something they that enters into their language as a little kid, as a child, mm-hmm. and the way it's used is very simplistic. Okay, guys, I'm the leader this time. Oh, I get to be yeah. the leader. And so we never get a chance to ev- evolve a more sophisticated definition or, or use of the word. And yeah. it's more trouble, that word, when you're dealing especially with students who are in high school or middle school, kids, it's more trouble I've found than it's worth. Yeah. Well, because I think leader, you know, it implies just one. Yeah. And I think we all know, especially in this, this comes out so beautifully in a class like entrepreneurship, there can't just be one leader or you're never going to get anything done. That's right. That's exactly so right. So I think students are starting to see other opportunities for leadership beyond student council. And I think we've moved beyond that idea of there only being one leader. I think students are starting to see leadership as a skill set. Mm. And I think they're also saying, oh, well, there's more than one way to be a leader. I can maybe be an introvert or, you know, I don't always have to be the one up in front of everyone to be a leader. And I, I think the conversation has, has changed a bit 
That's awesome. So then, so then you came to this workshop, and I forgot that that we met in February at that conference. I forgot that. I, mm-hmm. I and you came to the conference, and I re, I remember it was a pretty intense thing for you. And I remember talking about with you about you know coming in from years of teaching Spanish to doing this very very different thing, right? Yeah. Well, there were a lot of things that were so interesting to me about that conference. One thing that I noticed, and I've told a few other people about this, and this is more from my, you know, all girls perspective. I've been to a lot of education conferences. And at most of those conferences, the majority of the participants are women. And I have to tell you that that the workshop, I remember we were standing, you know, doing the news circle. And I kind of just looked around and I was like, this is the first education conference I have ever been to where there are more males than females. Um, Because I did, I, to be honest, I did feel a bit like, you know, fish out of water because I have, you know, math is not my strong point. I like the whole finance piece. I'm like, Oh, I'm learning (laughs) more about that. But I wasn't a business major. I took introduction to micro econ in college and it like did fine in it but it was a very difficult course for me and I remember looking around and being like you know if I is this a course that I'm going to be able to implement because I see all these other people here who are you know they teach econ already or they teach the business course and they just you know have have more experience in this world than I do but yeah your workshop was incredibly helpful for me because it was it was a big task that I was tasked with but it was um yeah it was a, a fascinating experience oh I'm glad and as you discovered it's really not about econ or business it's about no how to create that kind of learning right yeah how to create Absolutely. a course an academic course where that kind of learning happens so then i actually remember this is a couple years ago but i remember that even in the course of the workshop, I saw you go from being intimidated to being pretty bold, emboldened, I would say, even in the workshop. Yeah, well, it was like the light bulb went off. And I was like, okay, I think I can, I'm starting to see how, you know, how I can make this work. That's right. And then you left and you tell us what you created and what's happened with that. Yeah, well... <laughs> you know, before the workshop, we had the plan. Originally, we were going to have a class with 8th through 12th graders. And the goal there was like, oh, well, our older students can mentor our younger students. And this is going to be a great opportunity for, you know, intergrade level collaboration. And we were looking for more opportunities to do this. And I remember sitting there and as we were, you know, talking about the curriculum and different ideas, I was like, that is not a good idea. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't really see that, you know, panning out very well. And I think, you know, during one of the breaks, I actually sent a text message to my division head and I was like, we need to really think about the schedule because we need to split up, you know, middle school and, and upper school because this is just, you know, not going to be the best option. And so... After the workshop, we actually then ended up saying, okay, we're going to do an upper school elective 
for 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. And then in addition, we're going to offer middle school entrepreneurship. So middle school entrepreneurship ran in second semester of last year. Then we had upper school entrepreneurship. And we actually, I mean, the enrollment, I think, you know, the word entrepreneurship, there's definitely a certain buzz to it because our enrollment was high, especially given that it was the first year we were offering the class. And we gave students the option that they could take the course for an entire year or they could only take it for the first semester. But if they wanted to continue in second semester as upper school students, they had to have done first semester as well. So we did that. We have changed it. You know, I I mean, I really do think of, you know, starting a new a new course is is also entrepreneurial because, you know, you pivot and you iterate yeah. <laughs> and you try again yeah. and you learn. I guess it's all about building, measuring, and learning. Yes. Um, but what we did, yeah, we created, ultimately we created these two courses. You know, I was a little nervous despite going to the workshop. I was like, you know, contacting these startups and getting them to work with us. I was like, I just don't, I like wanted to kind of dip my my toe into the water And so we actually started by doing a, like a real world design challenge, problem solving at Marlboro. And so we had students identify problems that, you know, they deemed worth solving, you know, actual problems in our community. And then we had them pitch those ideas to the senior administrative team. Then my original plan was going to be that the second project, they were going to then go into the broader community and like go within a mile of Marlboro because Marlboro is, you know, we're in Hancock Park, which is a very old historical neighborhood, but we're 20 minutes from downtown. We're by Crenshaw and Koreatown. We're by Beverly Hills. And so there's a lot of diversity within, you know, we're definitely an urban school and You know, that was the original plan. But then, you know, the Marlboro project, it went well, and I think it was effective. But I was like, you know, I think we could do we could do a little bit more. And I was like, you know, and what do you know? This is what Dora said was, you know, go into like a real startup business and you're going to actually get more buy in. And so we then ended up again, I was still a little bit nervous. And so I. I had been to this new coffee and tea shop. The title of it is Rubies and Diamonds. It's very kind of like hip and trendy and very L.A. And it's owned actually by a parent who is a female founder, which for me is important. Again, I think I'm trying to really develop a program with more of a a feminist bench to it, I guess I would say. And so as much as possible, I'm trying to work with female founders. So this was an easy one. And I I knew her and I knew she'd be willing to work with us. And I called her right after the workshop in June and was like, mid-October, I'd love for us to partner. And she was so excited. And she was like, you know, we definitely need more, you know, women founders. We need more women CEOs. I love this idea. I'm all in. And she was awesome. I mean, especially for my first time doing this, it was so wonderful to have her as a partner. I think if I had any advice to people, it'd be to, you know, find, (laughs) if you're a little bit nervous, to find someone who will help you you know, develop this. As and I, I also need to interject here that what you're describing is very common, that people who've been educators, the first time you use an external partner to create the curriculum in your class, 
that is such a foreign idea yeah. that educators are really nervous about it. And I have in the workshops and after the workshops, I actually have to do an awful lot with some of the individual educators to help them just get to that first one. Mm-hmm. And then once educators have done this once, it's it's not hard after that. It, that's exactly true. It's not hard at all once you do one. And I, I mean, what I've realized too it, is now I now I have people more and more people coming to me and saying like, oh, this is really great. Would you be interested in partnering? You know, in partnering with us. And how I see it is like, why wouldn't they want to partner with us? Because we, if you look at, if you think about high schoolers and that demographic and as potential influencers and purchasers and consumers, I mean, I see it as then we have, you have this new community of people talking about and potentially, you know, getting the word out about your business, which is great for them too. So Well, and also they have for three weeks or four weeks or whatever it is, you have a group of students working for a business who are absolutely masterful with all the stuff that a lot of these business people are most struggling with and don't know themselves. So the whole you know, how do you market in this very different era? Yeah. Um, they have a, they can add a lot of value. It's funny because as we're finding that we're more and more and more and more schools want to work with us to do the, build these kinds of programs. And some of them are entrepreneurship programs with businesses. Some of them are, you know, history classes and they're using partners that aren't necessarily the traditional startups, but all kinds of external partners getting businesses and industry to want to participate with schools and teachers and kids is actually not the hard part. Yeah, I would agree. That is not the hard part. Yeah. And I think maybe depending on the partnership, it depends on what's, you know, what exactly is going to be challenging, but getting them to sign on and getting them excited. Yeah, that is, that is not as scary to me as, as it once was. That's great. And, and uh, just to add, so the, the other thing is, of course, the nature of what the students are working on doesn't actually require that much time from the external partner. No. So regardless of what somebody's teaching. So that's the other thing that that I think a lot of people don't understand until they've done it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think there's a bit of, you know, I found that I had to work this year when I started reaching out to, you know, other companies. You know, I had to do a little bit of work in terms of explaining, you know, what type of problem is big enough and juicy enough that students can can really dig deep and you know actually spend three to four weeks on but then also not something that's so big and so complex that they're not quite ready for it if I just look at like the progress right so like last year I was like okay I'm going to work with a company that a parent owns and like really dip my toe in and then this year I'd love to make a partnership with like a VR company. That's my next. Oh, that's thing interesting. That I'm to... Well, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you a challenge to think about. Just start okay. thinking about this. I think it would be very, very good for you to experiment with some additional learning objectives inside your entrepreneurship class. So, for example, I experimented in the early days with challenges that 
required students to learn a little bit about genetics and a lot about biology mm-hmm. or a little bit about water treatment and right. et cetera. I, I think as you dip your toe now into very different, like I love that you're looking for a VR, a VR challenge, doing very different kinds of challenges that require students to gain subject matter knowledge mm-hmm. that is not business right. or marketing, uh, but something others would classify as rigorous academics. Yes. And play around a little with that because what ends up happening is that you start really understanding that this this is a truly a method of teaching and it it's independent of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that what that does is it helps your students because they, they see not only can I do this really hard problem solving, not only can I present and create a cogent, et cetera, et cetera, I can learn really hard stuff. Right. And it also puts you in a position to have more impact, I think, on other teachers at your school. As, as yeah. they see, it isn't just its own new silo that's business. So it's, a, it's very convenient to keep it in the entrepreneurship bucket. And right. it's really actually empowering for the students when schools break out of those, well, these are the core academic subjects. These are the ones that are really academic. And these other things are fun things to the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great challenge. I think that is a goal for, you know, our next version. And I think that will be, that'll be a new challenge for me, but I think it'll be good for the girls. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did a great job of describing yourself. You're an educator. You've been teaching inside schools and you're, you don't have experience being an entrepreneur. It's not about teaching the girls at your school business, Mm -hmm. what's the impact on your students? Yeah, you know, I think the impact, I I love that question because it makes me me really think about the students I had last year and got got to know them really well. You know, one of the things that I like to emphasize is to see them really thinking deeply about problems and about the work that they were doing and the meaning of, you know, what, what is our duty as a, as a citizen of this world? You know, how do we go about solving problems that affect us, problems that affect our fellow citizens, problems that affect our city? And to see them doing that kind of deep thinking and really that deep learning was really so, so gratifying. You know, it's not just about, you know, there's no tests. It's not about memorizing or you know, regurgitating information, but it was, it was really real, the, the type of learning. And I think that students get really good at doing exactly what the teacher wants them to do. And so be that, be it a certain style of writing or, you know, they get really good at performing for the teacher. And what I love about entrepreneurship is that suddenly, you know, that paradigm switches a little bit. So how is this impacting How's it impacting your school? Teaching entrepreneurship, I mean, it really has has taken off even in the last year. I've gotten 
I've been on a number of email threads of educators who are saying, you know, we started an entrepreneurship program. What are what are you guys doing in entrepreneurship? And I was actually on one where someone mentioned that they had been to your workshop. And I was like, yep, that's the one. And that's what I tell people, too. I say, you know, we we use the Doris Corda method. And I'm, I'm a huge, a huge believer in that. And we are looking more and more for, you know, what comes after entrepreneurship. So they take this intro class and then is there then a hack for impact class or designing an app for social good that could then be taught, team taught by one of our computer science teachers and by one of our entrepreneurship teachers. But I think this this method of teaching does lend itself beautifully to many other, um, to so many other disciplines. So Regina, taking it back to the, to where you started in this conversation with your mission about empowering young women, does any of what you've created here and what you're doing with this radically new class help, uh, help you achieve that mission? And if so, how? And yeah, I think, um, I think this, that's one of the reasons why I, you know, feel compelled and driven to really do this work and, you know, to put all this effort into starting this new class is because I do think that out of everything that I have done in my years attempting to teach leadership or attempting to empower young women, I found last year by teaching entrepreneurship to be the far most effective way to actually do that. And I think it just comes, I think the main thing is, is that, you know, over the years I've, I've had students come into my office saying things like, I want everything from, I want to start a club to, I have this great idea and, you know, I want to help the environment or I want to help solve the homelessness problem in Los Angeles, or I'm really passionate about dogs or cats. I mean, whatever it may be. And so I think that students, especially at this age, have so many ideas and they're, you know, they're such creative thinkers and they, they really are driven and they're passionate and they want to affect positive change in the world around them. But the actual steps of how do you do that that's where students need some guidance. And I think that the entrepreneurial model of starting off by saying, what is the actual problem that I'm trying to solve? And two, is it, is it worth solving? Is, you know, is this a problem that other people have? And then, you know, going through almost like the product design cycle. I mean, that works whether you are trying to design something for, you know, a new skincare product or whether you're trying to save, save the turtle. Solve cancer. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that what this class then empowers students to do is to say, hey, I can do that. You know, whatever problem it is that I'm confronted with, be it, you know, I had to do something for my boss or I just want to do, you know, solve this problem for me, or I want to solve this problem because it's something I care about and I'm passionate about. I know that I can do it because I've, I've done it before. You know, I had to create a custom drink for rubies and diamonds, or I had to come up with this new skincare line for, you know, skin cosmetics. And I didn't know anything about that yet. There I was four weeks later after doing research and putting in the work, I presented to the CEO and her team and I proved to myself that I was able to do it. 
And so for me, like, I really think that a class like entrepreneurship, it allows students to, to start with an idea and then turn it into a successful reality. And I, I think that one of the challenges in education right now is that many of, in most of the academic classes, students don't have that experience, you know, of starting with an idea and then actually turning it into something. And I think going through that is incredibly empowering. And I think there's other parts too that, you know, other pieces that you can put into a class. You know, I'm a big believer in that idea of you have to see it to believe it and you have to see it to become it. And I think one of the things that I've noticed with my students is that they see these other women who had a passion, who maybe followed a really nonlinear path to get where they are today. But here they are and they've, you know, taken an idea and turned it into a, you know, a successful company. And for them to see that and say, hey, you know, she did it and she didn't major in business or, you know, she didn't know anything about chemistry or, you know, she never thought that this is where she'd be. But look at everything she's accomplished. You know, I can then do that, too. So I think a class like entrepreneurship also gives you the opportunity to put some terrific role models up in front of your students so that they can really get a better sense of all that is possible and everything that they can ultimately accomplish. Well, Regina, I was taken by you in that workshop, and I'm not surprised to hear that you're just doing amazing work for these kids and and your school, and keep doing it, and I can't wait to hear what you're doing a year from now. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Thank you, Regina. You're awesome. Thank you. If you want to hear more podcasts like this or learn about the Corda Method, visit our website at wildfire-education.org.